0: Willkommen.
1: Benvenuti. Bell'on. Ein
0: Welcome to the A Fire podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson.
1: At this point, after a year plus of crisis, a lot of investors have kind of stepped back from or maybe even written off hotel as an investment class, hospitality. However, there are some investors that have been stepping back in with new insights, new structures, new optimism about where hospitality is going. As we pull ourselves out of the COVID 19 crisis. So I'm lucky enough to be sitting down today with Hilda Perez Alvarado. She's the global CEO of JLL Hotels and Hospitality to give uh, kind of a clear idea of what's going on, where things are going. So thank you, Hilda, for joining me on the A Fire podcast.
2: Thank you for having me, Donnie.
1: So, to start with, why don't we just look kind of a broader view in terms of what's going on in hospitality right now?
2: Great question, um, and it's probably twofold. There's a lot, but there isn't a lot as well in terms of transaction activity. So, just to take a step back, um from a demand perspective, we are starting to see snippets of a recovery gunner, which is really exciting. So all eyes are on the reopening stage that we've embarked on, at least here in the U.S., and we're very mindful as to what the different reopening stages are looking like worldwide.
1: And, and it seems like those opening stages are changing, there's stops and starts, depending on how things are going with that. I mean, are you finding your clients, you know, at least having to bake in a certain amount of slack as as you look at that?
2: Yeah, uh, listen, it all has to do with uh, vaccination schemes. I mean, we had a bit of a hiccup today, as you saw with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. But there's momentum uh, in that sense, at least here in the United States, where people are able now to travel a little bit more freely. We're obviously waiting for the borders to open. And that's a a global statement. But from a demand perspective, we are feeling pretty good. The summer um, is, you know, it's looking very promising in terms of demand, especially on the leisure side. All eyes are on what's going to happen come the fall, especially with corporations announcing that they are expecting their workforce to be fully in place by September. Now that, you know, it is expected that uh, the vaccine is going to be available universally in the U.S., and then we'll wait maybe until 2022 for international travel to resume in earnest. So I would say from a a demand perspective, it's looking much better now than it has over the last 12 months. From a supply perspective, lots of eyes looking as to what is happening to current hotel stock. So we're super happy that um, earlier this month we saw Reopenings of hotels now in New York City, which is great. A lot of these uh, assets started opening their doors uh, partially or fully in April. And we're seeing that take place more and more in the U.S. Um, now, there's this very big discussion as to what are going to have what's going to happen to some of these hotels where ownership has said we're done. Um, yeah. you know, We're not going to reopen the building. Maybe we're going to take that building out to market maybe we target alternative investors who want to convert the asset into something else and that something else usually means some form of living whether it's affordable shelter student senior you know it really expands the whole gamut and in in cities or markets where you do have housing issues be it you know in New York Los Angeles San Francisco Chicago San Diego we are starting to spend time with some developers and investors who are looking at alternative uses in some of these very big hotels that are shut down, owners not intending to, reopening, uh, to reopen them, and there may be some functional obsolescence. So on the, on the supply side, we're looking at existing supply, seeing how much of it reopens, and then because there's also a lot of pressure on new construction, especially on the housing side, and materials are getting more expensive, lending for construction is also very difficult. We expect the speed of new openings or new supply to enter the market to diminish relative to what we were seeing in 18 and 19. So from a recovery perspective, if you put the two together, we do expect a very sharp recovery, um, similar to all the talk that you're hearing from a wider economy perspective, But we're expecting a very sharp rebound in hotel performance, especially for those assets that are mostly targeting that transient leisure guest. From a capital markets perspective, just to um, uh, finalize the answer, we are tracking, and I've said this before in several instances, we are tracking the most capital ever looking to get a piece of hotels, to have you know, a piece of the action. Now, some of these funds were raised under the premise that there was going to be a lot of distress in the market, and we've not seen that wave of distress. Uh, we've not, you know, we're seeing stress, but not the distress that we were all thinking it was going to be a bloodbath, um, worse than the great financial crisis. And the reality is, lenders are being more lenient, governments are being very accommodative, you know, they're pumping uh, literally uh, money into the system and things are looking like, you know, the lights are coming back on. So we may not see this huge wave of distress pricing that a lot of this capital was raised for. So we got more money, we got new players, uh, we got more players as well, and not enough assets that are coming out to market. And so those assets that come to market if they're in a very desirable location, you know, usually you the Smile States, maybe it's a resort. There's so much pent-up demand to invest that you're not seeing any discounts in pricing. Or, and if you are very little, uh, and then those that maybe are a bit more stressed, be it the case of a large hotel that has functional obsolescence, that is in a, in a, um, and maybe in a city with additional structural issues like in New York, those are being sold at discounts. But, you know, it's for different reasons, not necessarily, you know, the, the environment per se. They're, they're selling at discounts and they're getting acquired by investors who are not looking to operate those as hotels going forward. In fact, there's a very big reinvestment going in into that site. So lots of different dynamics, very market by market specific and even very country by country specific right now.
1: You know, that's really interesting. And certainly it's a, it's a headline that would probably apply not just to hospitality, but to other asset classes as well. Not as much distress as we thought, uh, essentially. And and that actually has some implications based on the behaviors, to your point, all the capital raising that's been done, where that goes, how it works. Can, do you have any idea, and I know this is a moving target and something that, that's changing all over the place, but do you have an idea, at least proportionally, how much of the existing hospitality stock 2019 um, is is dark? How much of it is going to remain dark uh, for some time to come? Do you have any figures on that? I know it's probably impossible to get, but at least some estimates in terms of what the scale of this is. It's a moving
2: target for sure. And like I said, it's market by market. You take a market like, um, I don't know, Florida or Miami specifically, uh, maybe Austin, there's not a lot of hotels that are shut down. Maybe some never shut down. Um, you go to a market like New York City, again, the lights are just starting to turn back on. So it's it's really almost micro-market specific. And Gunnar, again, I do think the expectation is, at least from what we're hearing uh, on behalf of the investment community, is that the lights will be on fully by the end of the year, or at least by the time we're done with 21. But the question is, um, those hotels that are shut down, where the owners have said, you know what, that's it, enough, we're going to exit, or maybe it's, it's suited uh, suitable for a different use, we're trying to, to track that. The, the talk right now in New York is that maybe that's about 20% of the inventory. Let's see what happens once demand starts to come in, and maybe there's a little bit more enthusiasm as to how quickly the market is going to recover and the amount of pent up demand, you know, uh, for a market like New York. So, jury's still out. Jury's yeah. still out, but we should be fully functional by the end of the year.
1: Um, I've been curious about, okay, so we've talked a lot about leisure travel coming back, uh, but business travel and not knowing exactly when that's coming back and in bulk and it being such a large proportion of the revenue for a major swath of of the hospitality industry. Um, what are the, the, the greatest minds in, in hospitality thinking in terms of how long before we come back to 19 levels?
2: Super great question. And I would say it's the number one question we are try- all of us are trying to answer right now. So I would say the belly of the curve in terms of whether the consensus is, is that business travel will likely recover sometime into 2023, 2024. There's a lot of discussion as to what business travel looks like post-pandemic. You know, there's this talk about what working from home has done, technology, Zoom. The reality is there's no substitute for in-person meeting. Uh, We are social creatures. We want to get out. We want to go and engage in conversation. Uh, The best line I've heard from a hotel CEO is, you can run a company via Zoom, but you cannot grow a company unless you're actually physically meeting with people, uh, be it clients or your employees. So corporate travel will resume. I do think though that we're gonna be more sensible about it and more cost-effective about it. So the, the moments of me hopping on a plane because I needed to go to a very short pitch or meeting in London and come back you know, from New York City or I'm going for a lunch in Houston, that honestly doesn't make sense anymore for many reasons. Um, but to the extent that maybe we take fewer trips, but they're longer, because you're meeting with more folks. Uh, maybe you combine that corporate travel with leisure. Um, you know, you travel on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you stay for the weekend. I think that's what is expected. So net net, um, the expectation is that maybe the amount of corporate room nights will stay the same. But they will be longer stays, shorter trips. The other uh, uh, the other aspect that we're starting to to hear and talk about, Gunnar, which is really interesting, as it relates to ESG and you know this pressure towards a more uh, green approach to business, will corporations start actually measuring the carbon footprint of some of their corporate road warriors, right? Doesn't make sense for me to be getting on a plane every single second that I can. And so maybe that behavior also is going to change. My my personal view is that, you know, businesses going forward or deal making going forward is going to happen in a mixed reality version. We're going to see each other but we are maybe going to communicate more because now we have the facility to do this through zoom or, you know, the alternative. So more touch points, more efficient internal meetings, but there's no substitute to in-person meetings for when it's, you know, a a B2B or a B2C.
1: And part of what was interesting about what you said there is it sounds like there there are multiple forces. So yes, maybe people will take fewer trips, but they will be longer, which means more hotel rooms. I mean, it's, It's very squirrely when you try to do any kind of reasonable prediction, and not to mention that the facts on the ground seem to change every week um, as we move through here. So uh, I'm gonna ask you to do some more predicting, you know, to do something impossible, but with the caveat that we know it's impossible and I won't hold you to it, uh, is think about the next 18 months. So what is that going to look like in terms of hospitality, in terms of demand, in terms of supply? How, How do you think that's going to evolve?
2: My wishful prediction is that we will see the greatest amount of innovation we've ever seen, right? We got technology was helping us evolve, you know, create that touchless experience, maybe better value add, better customer service. Um, You know, the reputational economy, I think, has become more and more important. So one would expect for there to be more competitive pressure and for better, product, physical, and you know, intangible from a service point perspective, um, you get Airbnb, right? Bigger than the top five traditional hotel industry uh, companies combined. So I am hoping that we're going to see that. That's my wishful thinking, Hilda's wishful thinking. Um, I also would love and expect to see a little bit more consideration for responsible tourism, uh, green practices, efficient energy management. More uh, diversity and inclusion as well, and how are companies going about it? How do you incorporate the community um, as well, and you know the the, the local businesses, the small medium uh, sized businesses as well that exist as part of the community, and that experience whenever we go and travel either for business or or leisure now the cynical part of me though um, is here, and you know when i 'm hearing all of this a uh, very big corporations saying, we got to get back to work, we got to get back, we got to get back, you know, let's resume back to what it was in 2019. That to me sounds really depressing. Uh, so I am hoping we go forward. By the time September comes, you know, kind of game on, let's evolve, let's think about a sustainable approach to business. And that doesn't just mean, um, you know, green sustainability, but that means more the workforce, the community yeah. which you serve, the value that you're bringing and, you know, the fact that everything is very public these days. And I think we all have an opinion and that reputational aspect is so critical. So I'm hoping for innovation. I think we're going to end up there. There's that part that is just so easy to go back to health. That's
1: so true, Hilda. I I loved what you're saying in terms of what, what you're wishing for, what, you know, not really wishing to go back in 2019 in terms of how life and business took place there, that there's a better version. Some of it's technology. Some of it's just being thoughtful about what you're doing. I, I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time just getting on an airplane because that's what you did all the time. And and was I getting the most value out of that for, for myself, for my company, for for clients? Sometimes, yes, but but not always. And, and I, I think that's an, an important part of how, we need to think about hospitality is in terms of how do we use it? How does it kind of live in our lives? You know, there's some folks that have been kind of experimenting with the boundary waters, if you will, between um, housing and hotels. I'm I'm thinking to a certain extent Airbnb or others that are saying, you know, gee, we can have some longer term uh, rental within a hotel environment, or we can make apartments look more like uh, hotels. How do you think that's going to evolve in the years to come? Listen, I
2: think from an innovation part, that's actually one of the most exciting uh, parts of, you know, this whole prediction. There's this huge convergence between living and hospitality. Hospitality, honestly, it's temporary living. It's living spaces, right? When you go and say in your hotel, this is your temporary home. So it does make sense. And even you know, when we're looking at conversions or what's the highest and best use of uh, of a building, we're not talking, you know what, let's raise it, let's build another office tower or a fulfillment center or whatever. We're looking at alternatives from a living, you know, and it's uh, fill in the blank living, right? The, the student, affordable, senior, et cetera. Um, also in terms of the big shock that all of us have gone through over the last year, be it uh, professionally, personally, I think we also wanna be smarter uh, and more thoughtful as to how we use space. And I can, you know, from my conversations with the big brands and also those entrepreneurial concepts that are starting to emerge, it does make sense that the hotel experience focus on the hospitality, again, that temporary residential function that they serve. And then that experience that all of us Looking for it's memorable at the end of the day, Gunnar. All you and I have is our time, that's our most valuable resource, right? And I think we're all going to be very mindful of what the best return on time is. So, um, Airbnb, uh, you know, I'm super impressed, I'm actually a big fan of what they're doing. It was a wake up call, it shook us all, and you're being so innovative. And the way their CEO thinks, I think it's so brilliant. Um, and their their motto is, you know, live like a local. So yes, let's live like a local, but with all the comforts that hotels bring. And so, you know, for me, uh, I've always said it and I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it uh, post pandemic, but I've actually never stayed in an Airbnb on my own. I stay in a hotel, it's safe, I feel comfortable, you know, uh, female traveling, uh, solo, you know, I do like my uh, staying in a in a hotel, uh, where I have a certain level of, of guarantees, if you will. Um, but I am expecting for the latest technology to be embedded as part of that experience, for that, um, the, the value proposition to start the moment I leave my, my house uh, to the moment I get back. So um, I think it's not enough for the hotel company to be thinking, hmm, how do we make the room more comfortable? How do we make it bigger? How do we make sure that we have a work spot here or, a little gym area and a yoga mat, honestly, gimmicky not gonna work. who cares? It's more how do we make sure that we make your journey, your stay more meaningful, more memorable, more productive, and it's that experience that we all need to solve for um, also, I do think that hotels should think about more than just the bed. um you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial concepts that are starting. We've all figured out that we can work remotely. You know, I've worked um, with a global team for a number of years. I don't sit physically with them. So all I need for work is my phone, my iPad, my computer, and that's it. Um, And I'll connect with the team in Australia, and Asia, and Europe, wherever. Um, There's a lot of these concepts that are evolving where maybe we are, um, uh, uh, we're working remotely or we're working separately, but we need to come together at some point and we need to meet. And so maybe the hotel should be thinking about providing that meeting space, that meeting function, a creative room uh, where I will go and be a user of the hotel, not to sleep, but maybe to work and get together with that team that we will work remotely, right? Bringing that network together. And so I do think that we need to, hoteliers need to think about the, the square footage in its entirety from the sleeping area, the you know the living area, if you will, the working area, because if we, if we don't, Airbnb is, a, is the best substitute for that sleeping area. Or, uh, you have the likes of Convene and others that rent you know space for whatever for meetings. Um, you get restaurants that substitute a hotel restaurant. We're putting it all together, but we need to be very thoughtful about it. So, I'm excited about the convergence, honestly. And I think the last thing you're seeing more and more branded residential uh, happen. You know, a lot of the luxury brands, be it a Four Seasons, Amanda and Oriental, they're growing now through just standalone residential. And that's a great way for hotel companies to, to grow. Um, it plays on that residential side, it's a private, you know, private ownership, it's a home. But I have the benefits of having the services and the quality standards of, you know, fill in the blank luxury operator.
1: Right. When, when you look out um, over the next, not just the next year, but the next, say, 10 years, what are you most concerned about that we might miss?
0: I
2: think it goes back to the prediction question, Gunnar. I would be really disappointed if we didn't evolve. You know, like we we should be coming out of this, dusting ourselves off, you know, what are the lessons learned and let's go. And I am confident we're going to go there. I tell you why. And that's because we have five generations working together right now. We've all gone through COVID, but we've all experienced it very differently. You know, think about the, the senior college class whose last year was all done remotely and they're coming into, you know, a, 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 a maybe different type of workplace, maybe it's hybrid. Think about, you know, those uh, that have been through many cycles before, how they think, how they see this cycle versus another, you know, the millennials, the centennials, the different approaches, where they are with their life. So I do think that we're gonna get a ton of ideas. And I'm hoping that once you put those in the pressure cooker, we're gonna come up with something really innovative, creative and helpful. And a lot of us, again, going back to ESG, we're thinking about people, profit, planet. And I'm hoping, honestly, that that is not just a feel-good tagline, a gimmicky thing, and it's actually us being more thoughtful and considerate of what it is that we're doing and understanding that everything that we do has a repercussion, starting with hotels. Well,
1: actually, you laid out the second question, which is, what are you hopeful for? Uh, and I think uh, there's a lot to be hopeful for, especially based on the things that you said. Well, we've we've run out of time, believe it or not. Uh, it it sped by, and uh, I really appreciate all the all the insights into the hospitality industry that you shared with us. Uh, I encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to go to the latest issue of a Fire Summit to read Hilda's uh, article called. Hotelling 2.0. So you certainly are, are getting more innovation, both from uh, finance, structuring, as well as um, physical uh, aspects of the assets themselves. Definitely worth reading. So want to thank you again, Hilda, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast.
0: Thank you very much. please visit afire.org slash podcast.